Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. It is my great pleasure today to announce to you a new and additional sponsor for our program. Tyler Kane is a friend of mine and a brother in Christ, and he is a senior loan officer for Fairway Independent Mortgage. Tyler and his team have extensive knowledge of the mortgage industry, and their dedication has made them a trusted partner for many wonderful families. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to refinance or talk about future home ownership goals, Tyler and his team are here to guide you every step of the way. We've included a link to their website in the show notes, or you can reach Tyler directly at 813-380-8487. Thank you so much for listening today. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back. I think I've got some pretty cool stuff for you today. I love it when really neat ideas come flying in out of left field and catch me pretty much squarely between the eyes. And as I sort of come out of the days of the impact, I get all these fresh ideas of what I can do with it. And that is exactly where I am on today's content. Some new stuff for me that I'm fleshing out real time and I'm excited to share with you. I think I've talked to you several times about how much I love TED Talks. Really interesting, innovative, and direct speeches that are really well articulated and challenge you in special ways. But I don't subscribe to their YouTube channel and I don't just Google search like cool TED Talks. I just kind of wait until someone I know suggests one and then I jump in. A few weeks ago, my daughter Hannah sent one and we were able to make an episode out of that. And then just last week on social media, my friend and brother Ryan Smith, who I worshiped with in Beaumont and now he lives out in Lubbock, posted a two minute clip from a fuller video and it immediately captured my attention. I think I even commented, this is absolutely going to become an ESM episode. And then once I went and listened to the full video a couple of times, and I will share the link in the show notes for you, and I started immediately doing things and seeing results, well, like I said, I got excited about recording this for you. So I do have lots to tell you in a short period of time today, but let me start with the two words in the title. When you hear the words bored and brilliant, what is the relationship between those two words to you? I mean, are those two words related? Is boredom a necessary ingredient for brilliance? Or is it sort of the opposite? Boredom and idleness stifle brilliance. And if you really want to get things done, you need to get more active. So you already may know where I'm going with this today, and that would affect your choice. But I think many times we favor the second thing I just said. Maybe for you, the word bored just has this negative connotation to it, and so you attach some genuinely terrible words to it, like being bored is being lazy, or boredom is the same thing as idleness, and God says that's terrible for us. So maybe if that's my idea of sitting there doing nothing or feeling boredom, then I'm liable to say that there cannot be brilliance in that. I am probably self-justifying how busy I am. The same people who would say productivity is associated with busyness and idleness and boredom are negative things are liable to look at their kid and say, you need to enjoy the downtime while you have it. Because one day you're going to get so busy and have so many demands on your time that you're going to miss it. And maybe that's a part of the message for you today. If you've been missing being bored, either just missing out on it or genuinely missing those moments, we need to find more space in your life for sitting thinking, and planning. When I think of the word bored, I don't think of lazy or idle. I think of unbusy. And I think we've covered this in episodes before, but I don't know if you're proud of being busy or how you feel when someone says, you are so busy. 
But to me, that is an unintended insult or an indictment of my poor time management. If I have to be busy all the time, if that is how I prove my integrity, if that is how I reach brilliance, if being mentally engaged and multitasking and always working on something, if that's the way to get better, then I contend today it's costing me and you too much. And maybe if that's what it takes, I don't want to get better. But more importantly and to the point today, what you need to get to brilliance is measured planned, and embraced boredom. To the extent that you cannot think uninterrupted, you cannot be creative. So what I'd like to do today is link together the concepts of boredom and brilliance. I want to introduce to you the content of journalist Manoush Zamarati, who did a ton of research on creativity and productivity in your mind, and who set up an experiment called Bored and Brilliant and ran 20,000 people through the project. I will share with you her short clip that was on social media and then tell you some of the content of the larger project. But before that, let me just say some things directly to you and add some practicality to it. You need time to think. You need time when your mind and body are not actively engaged in things and people. You certainly need time away from cell phones and computers and things that are constantly demanding your attention where you're bouncing around from one thing to the other. There are lots of great reasons for that, but one of them, and maybe for me the most important one, is creativity. We need time to process things, to come up with ideas, to argue with ourselves about what might work best. Particularly when your body is engaged doing something that is fairly easily accomplished on autopilot, your mind is not heavily tied into it, but your mind is along for the ride, and yet your mind is not fully engaged in something that is drawing its attention, really great things can happen. Manoush, in her presentation, mentioned back in 2007, she had been a journalist that had traveled all over the world doing a lot of things, and then she had a baby. So she was at home and taking care of the kid, but the baby had colic and just cried all the time, and so she would go on these long stroller walks every day. And she said this happened for weeks. And at first, it was really hard to be out here doing this and not doing something else. But then she said, eventually, every day when I was on that stroll, I started thinking about what my plans were, what the obstacles were, what was possible. Is there another thing to do the job that I'm doing? Is there a way that I can balance family and work better? And during that boredom of those walks, where the mind was in some ways idle, it was also actively engaged in problem solving. She came up with creative, interesting ideas to flesh out. Eventually, she started a podcast and some other digital work and was able to stay home and things went really well. Interestingly enough, though, it was 2007. She got an iPhone the next year, got very successful and very busy and very digital and fully engaged. And then she ran up against some problems she couldn't solve, and she was super frustrated that she couldn't figure things out. And then it hit her. Like, the last time she was truly innovative and creative was when she was pushing that stroller. In that sense, what I'm telling you today is, you need to be pushing that stroller. Man, it just hit me as I said that. That would have been a great title for today. A lot of really important things, not just great and brilliant things, but important things happen between active tasks in your day and life. And when that cell phone is in your pocket, more on that in a minute. This has sparked some great conversation between myself and my wife, Summer, and my son, Luke, 
on how we keep our minds at ease and work through our problems and make sure we're properly energized for the tasks of every day. And kind of like Manoush went back to the stroller days to realize, man, I need more time like that, we started identifying the things that work. For me, above every other thing in the entire universe is the 15 minutes or so a day that I take a shower. I used to kind of believe that that's where the Holy Spirit met me. You know what I mean? Like I'm in the shower and the points are just flowing and all the little wrinkles in the sermon I've been working on just sort of iron themselves out. And I usually get out of the shower with so much clarity and calmness. But of course, it's not the Holy Spirit meeting me in that special place. I think if he was to converse with me, he would say, you know, I'm kind of around all the time. But most of the time, Chris, you're trying to do two or three things at once. You've got a phone in your hand. You're incredibly distracted. In the shower, it's just me and you. Oh, by the way, quick and needful caveat, I'm not saying that the Spirit literally speaks to me in the shower or anywhere else, but I think you know exactly what I'm saying. There is this clarity and creativity and problem-solving mechanism that kicks into place in an environment where there's not a lot of other things going on and no cell phone in hand. The three of us, Summer and Luke and I, enjoy that in different ways in the morning. They both go on walks, like they'll leave the house at almost the same time and walk different directions. They just have their quiet time, sometimes listening to podcasts or whatever, but sometimes just thinking and praying. And during that half an hour, it's just me and the Word of God and a journal to write down ideas. Even before I share with you in the second half some information from this TED Talk, I already want you connecting the need for more boredom, don't be scared of that word, in order to trigger some brilliance that you've got inside of you, we just need to take the time to find it. One more kind of funny thing, I've been driving our old 2006 Toyota Tundra the last couple of months. The driver's side door doesn't open, and I think Luke was a little bit embarrassed about that, but I'm not. I just pull up to church and climb out the passenger side every time. But the reason I bring that up is that the radio doesn't work, and I've really found that quiet time to be valuable. I'm driving, my body is active, my eyes are active, but it's fairly passive, and my brain isn't given the opportunity to listen to something or read something or share something. I just get to think, and thinking is kind of a good thing. Okay, so building on all of that, let me go through this short clip with you. So what happens to us if we never get bored? It turns out that when you get bored, you ignite a network in your brain called the default mode. So our body, it goes on autopilot when we're folding the laundry or when we're walking to work, but that is actually when our brain gets really busy. So it turns out when we get into that default mode, that is when we connect disparate ideas. We solve some of our most nagging problems, and we do something called autobiographical planning. This is when we look back at our lives, we take note of the big moments, we create a personal narrative, and then we set goals, and we figure out what steps we need to take to reach them. Here's a quote from boredom researcher Dr. Sandy Mann. Once you start daydreaming and allow your mind to really wonder, you start thinking a little bit beyond the conscious a little bit into the subconscious, which allows different connections to take place. It's really awesome, actually. Manoush goes on to say, but now, you know, we chill out on the couch, also while updating a Google document or replying to an email. But here's what neuroscientist Dr. Daniel Levinson says we're actually doing. Every time you shift your attention from one thing to the other, the brain has to engage a neurochemical switch that uses up nutrients in the brain in order to accomplish that. 
So if you're attempting to multitask, you know, you're doing four or five things at once, you're not actually doing four or five things at once because the brain doesn't work that way. Instead, you're rapidly shifting from one thing to the next, depleting natural resources as you go. The TED Talk presenter Manoush went on to add, A decade ago, we shifted our attention every three minutes. Now, we do it every 45 seconds, and we do it all day long. The average person checks email 74 times a day and switches tasks on their computer 566 times a day. Researchers at USC have found in their study of teenagers who are on social media while they're talking to their friends or they're doing homework, and two years down the road, they are less creative and imaginative about their own personal futures and about solving societal problems. So the next time you go to check your phone, ask yourself, what am I really looking for? Because if it's to check email, that's fine. Do it and be done. But if it's to distract yourself from the hard work it takes to engage in deeper thinking, take a break, stare out the window, and know that by doing nothing, you're actually being your most productive and creative self. It might feel weird and uncomfortable at first, but boredom truly can lead to brilliance. Okay, so that was the short clip on social media, and like I said before, you might enjoy the entire presentation. But I want to revisit a couple of things that got said. Another strong contender for the episode title today is the default mode. It really struck me when she said, when you're in that mode, you're connecting ideas, solving problems, taking note of your life, working on your personal narrative, the goals you have before you, and how to execute them. One thing I know for sure is that you and I want more of that. But I need you to see, you don't get it just through action. We talk a lot at our house about working smarter, not harder. And sometimes the most smart or brilliant thing you can do is nothing. And of course, I don't mean nothing ever. I mean nothing right now. Nothing to begin the day. Nothing between a bunch of somethings. And to be very clear and head in the direction that the TED Talk did, that may mean filing for divorce from your cell phone. I think if we honestly assess our day, we have tasks that we have to complete, but they're not always bunched together, making us busy all the time. It's just that our brains don't know how to relax and contemplate, so we pick up the phone, and we bounce from app to app, and our attention span gets even shorter. Our brain is being depleted of this energy and glucose that we need to function properly. And yet, through the addictive process, we get to a point where we don't even know what it means to do less to engage less. The idea of meditation and just basic contemplation become really hinky, weird ideas to us so we can justify not doing them. But what about something that's not hinky at all, like prayer? You can pray while you drive. You can pray while you walk. You can pray in the shower. Your body is engaged in an autopilot mode and your brain's got some time to do something great. I'm not telling you to find that time. I'm telling you, you need it. There are probably more brilliant ways to do a lot of the things that you're working very hard on in your life. There are ways of being more productive, more efficient, and more disciplined. But for some of us, we have a totally inverted idea of how to get there. Just work harder and do more and grind it out. Give up sleep and rest and personal time. Some of that, and I'm a little hesitant to say this, might be the product of the fellowship religiously that you grew up in where works and faithfulness and accomplishments were so central to your identity 
that the last thing that you would ever want to do is take a break. But of course, the true strength of our salvation is in the power and closeness and relationship with Christ and the grace of God and the Holy Spirit. I'm not in any way saying that works aren't important. I'm saying Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10 were saved by God's grace, not as a result of works. We need to be thinking about that and praying about that and letting God help us solve our problems through reading and prayer and thought, and then fueled by that with clarity and purpose and emotion, verse 10, we go out and we carry out good works as his workmanship. Basically, more faith, better faithfulness. But if I don't know how to quiet my mind and centralize my focus and cast my eyes upward and deepen my faith in the quiet, set-aside, reflective spiritual moments, and to make things worse, I think that they're not that important because I just need to go out there and be good, then I'm destined to fail in the end. One, because my works will never be that amazing. And two, I missed out on the entire process of finding greater ones through moments that some might say are mundane and repetitive and boring, but for me, have become essential. I've talked about this a lot throughout the podcast history, in the morning, the 30 minutes, journaling, praying, reading, planning, and thinking. I do not want to engage anyone else or any project in any day until I have communed with my Father and developed that sense of gratitude and peace in Him. Okay, so how does all this work and what can you do to make things better? I hope a few of the practical things I've trickled in, like valuing that shower time or taking a walk or driving down the road without the radio on can help. I'll go ahead and add one or two that get into the category of kind of sensitive, not things we normally talk about, but maybe try going to the bathroom without your phone and also to bed at night. So speaking of phones, that was the big project, the bored and brilliant project put together by Manoush Zamarati and her team where they had 20,000 people sign up to go through a one-week challenge to help distance themselves from their phone while trying to reclaim that time in a quiet and insightful manner. It ended up being seven days, and the recommendations are pretty good. Like, day one is keep your phone in your pocket while you're in motion, driving, or walking. Day two was not take any pictures with your phone, just experience life. Day three was delete an app, at least for the day and hopefully for the week or for the rest of your life. Day four had to do with setting up an auto-reply on your phone so that you would send it out instead of getting notifications. Day five was making one small observation about a person or an object or something that you probably would have overlooked if you'd been staring at your phone. Day six was about creativity, which is kind of the big payoff of all of this where you like take all the stuff in your purse or wallet and build a house or something. It was just about being creative instead of the same old stuff. And then day seven, you were supposed to put water on to boil, which takes, I don't know, half an hour or so. And in that time, you just needed to contemplate a problem in your life and let yourself take the time to try to solve it. I'll list all of those for you and maybe you'll find a few helpful There were a couple of interesting outcomes. The negative outcome was it really didn't curb people's behavior all that much. I think the tracking app said that everyone was down on average six minutes a day from like 120 to 114, which the team thought meant total failure. But when they went back and consulted the neuroscientists, they assured them that that was some really drastic modification. And really anything that's moving in that direction over the other direction is good. 
But I think with even a small adjustment like that, what was really cool and what I want to end with are some of the interviews that they had with participants. You tell me if any of this sounds good to you. Some said they slept better. Some said they felt happier. One felt like he'd been waking up from a mental hibernation. Some said it felt like progress in a direction they'd been meaning to go for a really long time. Some said their cell phone felt like a tool again instead of something that ran their lives. There were lots of stories of people who talked about previously unidentified emotions that started to come to the surface, things they had ignored or suppressed. And many of them talked about having new, creative, encouraging ideas. And look, that's what I want you thinking about as this episode closes. It would be easy to put this negative slant on the whole thing about how addicted we are to cell phones and how short our attention span has gotten and how we need to do disciplinary things to keep ourselves from certain demise. So then we go through the Facebook fast as some sort of punishment. But I don't want you thinking of it like that. Think of it as opportunity to unlock some things. You may make connections and figure out things that make other areas of your life easier. In fact, I can pretty much guarantee it. Creating intentional downtime will make you happier and healthier. And you can begin to realize the connection between bored and brilliant. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you enjoyed this program, will you share it with someone you care about? One thing I've learned over these five seasons is that there's nothing as powerful in advertising as word of mouth sharing between friends. Speaking of friends, let me once again commend you to give John Cunningham a call. He and his team have a wide variety of tools to help you use your present budget and life to build towards a more secure and hopeful financial future. Once again, you can reach him at 205-326-7364. And always remember, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.